Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smartinized. Today's episode, The Bullies Always Win. Just to let you know up front, this episode is not safe for work. This has some explicit stuff in it because, folks, there are some times where you just gotta swear. And especially when you're looking at things like what's going on now. You know, as kids, we were always told the bullies never win. They may win a fight or a battle, but they're really miserable people. But we look around, we look around at the people that have taken this mess. Now, this mess was started by the government. There's no question about that. But these people took what could have just been a turd in the punch bowl and turned it into a perfect shitstorm because they're bullies. And they've collected hundreds of millions of dollars. They still have their multiple mansions and their fleet of vehicles and their hot, juicy trophy wives. And we sit here watching our 401ks become worth less and less and hoping that they'll come back. And they they will eventually. But of course, when they do, the money will be worth less because we're printing so much more for the bullies. I don't pick my friends based on their political beliefs. And as a result, I've got friends that are on all sides of the political spectrum, far left, far right, everywhere in between. And I have yet to meet a single person who wanted this. Not a soul. But the bullies wanted it, and the bullies got it, because the bullies always win. And this seems to apply not just in this particular instance, but throughout all of life. Back in the mid-90s, I had a multi-line BBS. It was called Electric Avenue, named after the Eddie Grant song. And Montgomery Wards came after me, for trademark infringement. They had a department, an electronics department, where they sold absolutely craptastic garbage, and it was called Electric Avenue. I sat down with scum-sucking bottom feeders who assured me there was really no case. Their trademark was on the shape of their letters, of their logo, not on the phrase. I had a logo that was entirely different, looked absolutely nothing like theirs, that I used on everything. It's the name of a geographical area, a street, and there are lots of real electric avenues out there, and you can't trademark the name of a geographical area. And most importantly, there was absolutely no way that anybody was going to confuse the two businesses. But it didn't matter. They were the bullies. They had lots of money. I didn't have any to speak of. What they really wanted was the domain name. That was one of the features of the BBS was you got an internet email. I'll give you an idea of the time frame of it. That was a big thing at the time. So I offered to sell them the domain name and they said, no, we're not going to pay for it. We're going to take it by force. And after my scum sucking bottom feeders sucked a couple of grand out of my pocket and realized that there wasn't any more, they sat down and said, all right, look, This is going to cost you a minimum of $125,000 to fight, and it could cost you twice as much. And this is for a business that, on a good month, only lost $40 or $50. I had no choice. 
I had to give up this name. I had to give up the reputation that I had built for, at that point, was probably three or four years because the bullies won. Because the bullies always win. Can you believe that you can't have a smoke in a fucking bar? That's how far the bullies have gone. The nicotine Nazis have made it so that in most parts of the United States, and this madness is spreading all over the world, and this is a very small minority of people. This is a small minority of people who are driven by a hatred that would make a Klansman jealous. They don't have the balls, of course, to do it themselves. They get Big Brother to do it, all in the name of good health. Backed by Big Pharma. That's where they get their money from. And they have managed to kick smokers out in the cold and put literally tens of thousands of people out of business because they're bullies. And the bullies always win. Likewise, we've got a 21-year-old drinking age here in the United States. How stupid is that? And a definition of drunk driving that says a 120-pound woman that's had two glasses of wine is now legally drunk. Why? Because the bullies always win. Now, you might think that bullies don't like rules and regulations. And that's actually very, very not true. The bullies love rules and regulations as long as they can comply with them and smaller upstarts can't. For instance, the tobacco companies. Well, it looks like they got bullied pretty badly with the master tobacco settlement, which cost them hundreds of billions of dollars. But in reality, they got two things for that. First of all, they got a shield against further litigation. And more importantly, there are provisions written into that agreement that make it impossible for anybody else to get into the cigarette business. Because as soon as they get beyond a certain size, they have to put 25% of their income into a special fund held in escrow, never touched, for the next round of scum-sucking bottom feeders to come and help themselves. So they got a regulation in there that protects them from any competition. Pretty good deal, huh? Let's take a look at another specific example. There is a farm out there, a beef farm, called Creekstone Farm, that sells very, very high-priced beef. And they wanted to put in a little gimmick where they tested 100% of their cows for mad cow disease. Now, this is, of course, ridiculous. We really don't need that kind of testing. Mad cow disease is a non-issue in this country. But the fact of the matter is we only test about 1% of our beef. And so the big farms, the big industrial farms, they are afraid that if this little upstart farm, now this farm sells beef for like 20 bucks a pound, so it's, it's not likely that they're in the same market, but they're afraid that if it comes to light, they're only testing 1% of the beef, they might have to invest in testing all of their cattle, and that would be an expense that they don't want. This is not a cheap test. So they had the agriculture department say, no, you can't do that. I mean, you can test them, but you can't advertise it. It's illegal for you to advertise it. Creekstone Farms fought this all the way up to a federal court, and the federal court said, yeah, that's okay. The Department of Agriculture gets to bully you. You can't advertise your meat that way. On the flip side, the big agricultural farms are pushing 
to have mandatory RFID tags installed in every piece of livestock. Because this they can do cheaply with their economies of scale, but it would really hurt the small farmer. And they'll probably get it sooner or later. They may not get it this year. If they don't, they'll get it next year because um, bullies always win. Hey, did you ever think it might be fun to start a radio station? Lots of people have. Lots of people have thought that it would be a fun thing to do. Right now, the technology is such that you could start a low-powered station for a couple grand worth of equipment. You could automate it with a decent computer. You could have a great time. But it's not allowed. The FCC will not allow that. Why not? Do you think Clear Channels wants to be competing with a hundred little low-power stations out there? Catering to a long tail that they can't go after? Do you think that the RIAA wants to lose control over what songs are getting airplay? Of course not. And so all of their songs come with a very high royalty price tag if you're going to play them over the air. It's not so high if you're a big station. You can afford it. It's not a problem. But if you're a little guy, it's a barrier to entry. Now, a couple of years ago, the FCC talked about making it easy to open low-power stations. And they didn't because of the pressure from people like Clear Channels and ABC and NBC and that great champion of the little guys, NPR. Yeah, that's right. NPR didn't want you to have that ability. They wanted the FCC to prevent that from happening. They didn't want you competing with them either. And so they bullied the FCC away from allowing low-powered radio stations. And once again, the bullies win. I don't know if you uh, watched the congressional hearings at all. They had a guy named Richard Fuld, who was the uh, president of Lehman Brothers. And over the past few years, he's made $484 million dollars in salaries. While Lehman Brothers is going belly up and their investors are losing their shirts, he makes nearly a half a billion dollars. So they called him up in front of Congress and he looked kind of nervous and he looked kind of pale and he talked about sleepless nights, but he didn't volunteer to give any of that money back to the investors. You know what? You can put me up in front of Congress. You can do anything you want. I'll look nervous. I'll break down and cry for a half a billion dollars. Not a problem. A couple days later, he was at the gym. The Lehman Brothers gym. He was on the treadmill and somebody walked up to him and hauled off and cold cocked him, punched him in the face and knocked him out cold. You want to punch me in the face for half a billion dollars? <laughs> I wouldn't even charge that much. I'll tell you what, for one million dollars, anybody that's listening to this, for $1 million, you can punch me in the face. In fact, you can subtract your airfare and cab fare to my house. And I'll stand still and let you punch me in the face for $1 bucks. In fact, if you travel all that distance, I'll let you have a second punch for half price. That's right. Two punches, my face, $1.5 million. Such a deal. Now, while I can understand why that guy punched Richard Fold in the face, I have to say that I don't approve of his actions. 
And the reason that I don't approve of his actions is because he punched him in the face and then left him there. And what he should have done was punch him in the face, knock him out cold, rip his clothes off, take him to the nearest public park, chain him to the park bench, pour a bucket of tar over his head, rip open a feather pillow, feather him really good, and leave him there naked in the middle of the park for everybody to observe. You see, I don't see how we're ever going to get rid of bullies. No society has ever been able to do it. And any attempts to change society to get rid of them are not only bound to fail, but probably give us something worse than what we have now. But if we can't get rid of them, maybe at least we can embarrass them. Maybe we can bring some shame back. Shame no longer seems to exist anymore. And there are some cases, like in the case of bullies, where it could serve a useful purpose and the very least feel good. So I think we should start tarring and feathering people like this, like these big executives, like these bank presidents. And then we should move on and we should tar and feather every single member of Congress who voted for this abortion, and that would include Obama and McCain. Strip them nude, tar them, feather them, and then we should continue on. We should tar and feather the head of Mothers Against Drug Driving, the president of Ash and Americans for Non-Spokers' Rights, the head of the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Let's keep on going. Let's do the head of the MPAA, the head of the RIAA. In fact, if we tarred and feathered everybody that I think deserves to be tarred and feathered, we would have to put a moratorium on road building because there'd be a severe asphalt shortage. And they'll still be bullies. They'll still be out there. But at least we can have some fun at their expense and laugh at them in their tar and their feathers. And that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations, you been smartenized. Folks, I'm still looking for help with raising the visibility of the Quick Hits blog, which is uh, pretty pathetic as far as Google is concerned. So link to a few articles, make a few comments. Uh, if you've got a Facebook page or a blog or your own website, hook up to it. Uh, that will help. Leave some comments, too. Getting a little more comments on there, that makes it more fun, makes it more interesting, makes it a conversation instead of a monologue. Also, if anything particularly strikes your fancy, use the link at the end of each post to put a link to Reddit or Dig. I don't think Dig's going to go anywhere, but uh, Reddit, StumbleUpon, Delicious. Those, those are the main ones, Reddit and StumbleUpon especially. So do that for me. I'll appreciate it. And I'm going to ask for one more favor from you, uh, from some of you, at least from a few of you. The Smartnizer has been out. There's been uh, two newsletters out so far, and I've gotten a pretty good response to it. However, I am a bit dyslexic, and it's impossible for me to proofread my own stuff. And I put things out there that just have stupid mistakes in them. 
because I read it and I know what I meant. And so I see what I meant to put down instead of what's right there. For instance, in the last one, I talked about schools appealing to the lowest common detonator. I looked at it, I saw denominator, but I sent it out as the lowest common detonator. And I'd like to avoid mistakes like that, as entertaining as they may be. So if you would like to participate and help and be a proofreader, just drop me a line, hitman at davehit.com. And a couple of days before the Smartnizer goes out, I will send you a copy and you can just give it a look over and see if you see anything like that. And if I had a couple of different eyeballs on it, I think that would be great. That would be a big help. Fair amount of commentary on the last podcast. Uh, general view was, gee, I didn't cover everything. Well, folks, I wasn't intending on covering everything. This is a big, huge, monstrous mess. And I was just talking about the origins of it. The Community Reinvestment Act, which started the whole thing. That doesn't mean that the banks and everybody else are not guilty as hell of taking this and turning it into far worse of a problem than it would have been if it was just this Community Reinvestment Act. But that was the catalyst for it. Without that, we wouldn't have this mess that we're in. And uh, the left seems to be just denying this like crazy. Oh, it wasn't that, it wasn't that. Yeah, well, guess what, Sparky? If it wasn't for that, none of the other stuff would have happened. You know, but there is plenty of room to go around, plenty of blame. A lot of it was, you know, the Fed's making money available at a lower interest rate than it should have and making more money available than they should have. There's something called the mark-to-market rule, which made things artificially worth less because somebody else sold them for less. It's just, it's a whole bunch of horrible, ugly, messy things. A lot of it was the government. A lot of it was the greed of the banks. And there was plenty of blame to go around for everybody. Doesn't really matter, though, because we are all going to get to suffer for it. The people who actually caused the problem, well, they'll do all right. I wouldn't worry about them a whole lot. Hey, if you agree or disagree with anything here, hit man at DaveHit.com. Go to DaveHit.com. Spell with two T's. You'll find the email address all over the place. And you'll also find it in the MP3 tags of this file. So drop me a line. Tell me what you think. And until next time, all that's left is for me to remind you that the Quick Hits Podcast is little more than a journal of one man's opinion and therefore should not be taken too seriously. Seriously.